This was part of a live presentation at a Theology on Tap, hosted by the Catholic Fellowship of Frederick. Join couples from around Maryland on Saturday, June 1st for a marriage conference at Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Ellicott City. Keynote speakers, Damon and Melanie Owens. What I love about the Given program is that it's a real gift for couples at any stage in their relationship. And it's just a beautiful time to get away from the busyness in the world. Adoration, confession, and live music by Mike and Madeline Tenney. For registration information, visit www.archbold.org backslash marriage. Good evening. Uh, she said, I'm, I'm Edward Herrera. I'm the director for the Office of Marriage and Family Life in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I'm going to be speaking a little bit about discernment versus deciding, discernment versus deciding. And in talking about that tonight, I feel like I need to just introduce kind of my background a little bit because it'll talk about kind of the perspective that I take and hopefully then from there we can move into some practical tips with, with discernment and ways of ways of discerning. So my background, I studied at the John Paul II Institute for Studies on Marriage and Family in Washington, D.C. Very much a focus on kind of morality, but then also a focus on uh, what would be called like systematic theology. So really got a degree in, in stating the obvious, right? So some of what I'm going to state is really just the obvious and hopefully invite you guys to think about a few aspects of discernment a little bit more deeply. The, the first thing that I want to start with is just talking uh, a moment about John Paul II, right? John Paul II, he wrote a letter to the Universal Church called The Splendor of Truth, right? The Splendor of Truth. And this was really the idea of moral, John Paul II's presentation of moral theology, of morality. And the, the central piece for John Paul II with regards to Veritatis Splendor was um, this idea of the rich young man approaching Jesus Christ. And so does anyone remember uh, when the rich young man approached Jesus Christ, he said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Right, he says, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And what does Jesus say? Follow the commandments, right? Follow the commandments. And so when he says, follow the commandments, the rich young man says, what? I've done that, right? I, I, I do that. And then Jesus, is, he says, give up your possessions and follow me. And the understanding is that that is the heart of the moral life, is to follow Jesus Christ. That it's not, you know, following the 613 laws of Torah, Right? But instead, it's to enter into a relationship with this person, Jesus Christ. And I think that's, that's one really important because it presents the idea of morality and the way we live as not something kind of imposed, as it were, from the outside. But instead, it's about entering into this relationship with this person who is love. Right? So that's one point. And, and with that, when we say that, it's something that we were called to from the very beginning, right? Because what is the Christian understanding of creation, right? That God creates from what? From nothing, from nothing. And so to say that God creates from nothing implies that there was absolutely nothing and God calls us into existence. Uh, as it says in the first chapter, the letter of John, it says, God is love. 
right? So this God who is love calls us into being and desires a relationship with him, right? From the very beginning, that is, that is the foundation. And, and then Jesus Christ, as the second person of the Trinity, becomes man and is the fulfillment of that desire for God to be in relationship with him. Does that make sense? Again, it's a very simple point, right? But I think that sometimes when we think about morality, when we think about discernment even, we think about things being imposed from the outside instead of this God who loved us into existence and desires a relationship to him. In what ways does he desire our happiness? In what ways does he desire right, our beatitude? What does he really want for us, which corresponds to the deepest desires of our hearts? Because I think too often we can approach things from a pietistic perspective that might say, well, what is the heaviest cross that I can take, right? As opposed to saying, what is the Lord calling me to? How does it correspond to my, to my desires? I think that's, um, that's one point. And then a very, a very kind of practical point, and again, an obvious sort of point, is to reference St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he had something called the first principle of practical reasoning, right? The first principle of practical reasoning is just that good is to be sought and evil is to be avoided. It's kind of a, again, obvious sort of thing, right? That we seek the good, right? We don't seek things that are evil, right? We seek what is good. And that's um, something that doesn't have to be explained. I think that we all kind of recognize that we seek the good. And then you would say, well, then why do I do bad things sometimes? Right? And it's because sometimes things look good, but they're not actually good, right? And that's because of sin, right? That um, kind of weakens our ability to really seek the good, right? And to enter into relationship with God. But it also presents a very important point that when we're talking about discernment, we're not talking about discerning a good thing versus a bad thing. And this is an important point. We're not talking about discerning a good thing versus a bad thing. We're talking about two good things, right? Two good things. So when we ask the question of, um, is God calling me to be consecrated through the religious life, through holy orders or something and, and of that sort, or is he calling me to marriage? Those are two good things. Now, it might not be a good thing for me if I'm not called to that, right? Or you're not called to this, but, but those are two good things. One example of this would be if my, my wife and I were to say, are we called to have more children, right? Are we called to have more children? Is that something that we're called to, uh, or uh, should we not have more children? Those could both be good things for us, right? And the church then provides us good wisdom with that. It says, well, are there reasons, you know, I mean, having children in marriage, that's a, that's a good thing, right? And the church presents that as a good thing. But it also says, there are some reasons, some serious reasons why you might decide not to have more children for economic reasons, for health reasons, for social reasons. There are different reasons that the church identifies. It also says that there are ways to achieve uh, pregnancy and ways to avoid pregnancy. And so the, the other thing that the church presents is that what we, what we desire and the good we're trying to achieve, as well as the means that we're trying to do it, 
should all be good. So I just, I, I present that as a little bit of background when we're talking about discernment, that the things that we're kind of discerning between are good and the ways in which we desire to go about doing it should also be good. So again, just some, some simple points with that. What I wanted to also say is I think sometimes we can fall into a trap of, with the question of discernment, doing it in a manner that instead of, that we kind of, we're faced with tons of decisions through the course of our lives, right? And sometimes they're just a decision and we need to make the decision and move on. Concrete example of this, that the grocery industry is very good at this, right? What they'll do is have you make tons of decisions as you're going through the grocery store. And then once you get to the end of the, the grocery store and you're standing in line, you'll spend like twice as much for a pack of gum. So at that point, you've made all of these decisions and you're exhausted. And so you're just like, I'm gonna just get the pack of gum when I could have bought five packs of gum for half the cost down in the aisle, right? And so the, the point is when we're making decisions versus discernment, sometimes we just need to make decisions and move on. And those aren't things that we need to kind of have weigh on us because otherwise we get kind of decision fatigue. And then when we need to make that big decision, when we need to discern something really serious, we're exhausted by all the other things that we've been bombarded with. So those are a couple of kind of general ideas. But then when we enter into the question of discernment, I'm gonna try to point out a few practical notes uh, with discernment and uh, ways of going, out, going about discerning. Most of them are drawn from Jesuit spirituality and Jesuit discernment because, quite honestly, I think that's got a very rich tradition in, in the church, and a lot of the principles that they identify for discernment that uh, St. Ignatius identifies are pretty universal in the way in which they can be applied to our lives. The first principle that I would say is that all the way through it has to be grounded in prayer. All the way through, it has to be grounded in prayer. And that seems like, again, an obvious sort of statement. One of my favorite definitions of prayer comes from uh, Luigi Giassani, which is, he says that, that prayer is self-awareness, right? Prayer is self-awareness. And to say that, we kind of think, okay, well, I'm kind of self-aware, but it's self-awareness in the most profound way in the sense that I'm aware of my relationship before this God who is love, right? It's an awareness of my creaturely being and what I am called to, which then results in adoration, worship, giving thanks to this God, right? So that's, uh, when we're talking about prayer, it's on the deepest level that we're called to enter into that prayer as we're making this discernment and then also as we're kind of uh, implementing it within our lives. So that's, uh, that's one point. Along with that, even though I'm discussing particularly uh, some of the language I use uh, might be regarding Ignatian discernment, it's important to look at what what sort of spirituality are you drawn to, right? Are you drawn to a Carmelite spirituality? Are you drawn to a Jesuit spirituality? Are you drawn to a Dominican spirituality? What sort of spirituality speaks to you? And take the time to kind of enter into that spirituality because that's going to draw you closer to the Lord 
and draw you closer to what his desire for you is, right? So, so seek out those various spiritual traditions that can cause you to enter into to deeper relationship with Christ. So, so seek those out, investigate those, uh, investigate what, what really speaks to you in that regard. Also, with discernment, I, I think a lot of times, if we look back on our lives, we can say, it was so evident that God wanted me to do X or Y, right? Or that this is what God was calling me to. It was so evident, but when I was in it, I couldn't see it. But in hindsight, you look back and you say, man, God's hand was, wor- uh, was really at work in what was going on in my life and pushing me in that direction. I certainly have those moments, right? For me, I'm from Houston. My wife and I moved down there. I was happy. We had a house. And then the Lord started pushing me towards Baltimore, right? And in hindsight, I could see, man, every step of the way, the Lord was drawing me to come here. But at the time, I mean, it was kind of like, well, that's just a coincidence. No, that's a coincidence. But I mean, he's just banging me over the head with a two by four. And I'm saying, oh, I wonder, you know, I mean, so the, the thing is, we have to, to look back and say, where was the Lord speaking to me in the past? And then to say, how can I use that to discern where I need to go in this situation? Right. How has the Lord spoken to me in the past and how can that help me discern where I want to go or where he's calling me now? Right. So that's um, that's an important point to kind of look, look at the past. One of the the principles of Ignatian spirituality is also this idea of consolation versus desolation. Right. Where do I find this consolation and uh, where do I feel uh, really at peace with, with, with kind of the decisions that I'm making and things like that? Where do I really feel consolation and the Lord's presence in the decisions that I'm making? And where do I feel like this is not where the Lord's calling me and I feel kind of separated from the Lord in that? And we have to be careful sometimes with consolation and death, desolation. And there's principles, I mean, you, you can kind of look some of these things up and, and think about them a little bit. But with consolation, I think sometimes we have to be careful because that can be misleading too, because sometimes we have false consolations and false desolations, right? So things might be hard, but it might not mean that that's not where the Lord's drawing me, right? There might be decisions that we have to make that the Lord is drawing us in a direction and it's, it's hard, but he's still drawing us there. He's still taking us there. But then on the other side of that, when we feel kind of content, but it's like, well, but is the Lord, is this really where I'm supposed to be? Is this really it? And again, I think that we have to be careful not to be overly pietistic to just say, oh, I want the biggest cross. Like, give me, you know, even though that's not what the Lord wants for me, I'm going to just kind of white knuckle my way into whatever this, you know, this vocation or this decision that, that I want. And so being aware of that consolation versus desolation also choosing in tranquility. And uh, when we say choosing in tranquility, I think when there are, is craziness going on around us, it's hard to make good decisions and to feel the Lord's presence, right? So when we have the death of a, of a parent, 
it becomes very hard to know where the Lord's drawing us because we're, we're sad because we've lost a parent or whatever that is in the outside circumstances that makes it very hard for us. That would be another, sometimes that's impossible, obviously. Sometimes we've got to make uh, these decisions kind of discern in the craziness, and that's, that's okay. So choosing in tranquility. Then also, it's important to seek out uh, spiritual direction. Sometimes spiritual directors uh, can be a priest, can be a religious, could be a layperson that help walk with you and help you to discern certain things. I don't think you necessarily need a spiritual director all the time throughout the course of your life, but I think that there are times where it is important to have a spiritual director, right? Sometimes you might find that, no, I really, you know, I I constantly need a spiritual director, okay. But I think that sometimes when we're really trying to discern through serious decisions, having that conversation with the director uh, that can be a bit outside of the situation can help us with that discernment. So uh, seek those folks out. I know we have some excellent folks in the archdiocese. Also, often we want clarity to be absolute, right? We want clarity to be absolute, and most of the time it's not absolute. (laughs) So that's that's a tough thing to recognize, but we want kind of the skies to open and the Lord to tell us, and often that's not gonna be what happens. It's kind of following these practices where we can hear those subtle calls of the Lord and where He's drawing us, versus the skies opening. But also, I say that clarity might not be absolute, but there also has to be a decisiveness in the action too, right? That we actually have to really make a decision. And I say that, you know, my wife and I got married in our late 20s, right? Which is generally the the averages these days for for marriage. And it's, it's interesting. I remember as I was discerning kind of proposing to her and and getting married. At at a certain point, my spiritual director at the time said, and he set his face towards Jerusalem. The the idea is Jesus Christ set his face towards Jerusalem, right? He set his face towards his destiny. I always, I laugh about that because then that implies that my wife is the cross, right? When it's generally the other way around. But, But the idea is that really, at a certain point, we have to be decisive and make that decision to discern well and then to act. And I think that that, a lot of times, culturally for us, I think is a very uh, big challenge, is, is actually acting. As someone who does marriage ministry, you know, a lot of the statistics talk about the idea of, of sliding versus deciding, right? Of sliding, sliding into marriage as opposed to deciding. And they talk about couples that kind of slide into dating and then they slide into living together and then they slide into engagement and then five years later they slide into marriage, right? And the, the, the thing is we have to be deliberate and decisive in our action. And that's something that, that I think is very, very important. I've obvious, it's on my head because my wife and I are doing another Theology on Tap tomorrow on dating and marriage up in Harford County. Uh, come up there too. Uh, so, um, but I, I think that that's a very important, a very important point is actually making that, making that decision and actually acting. Sometimes, though, we obviously need to amend that decision. 
and kind of say, okay, well, that, that wasn't quite right. Like, let's change course a little bit. But the decisiveness in action is also a very important piece. That's, that's really what I've got for you this, this evening. Uh, as I said, it was pretty basic, but hopefully applied some, some principles that you can kind of chew on as you're, as you're discerning. Fantastic. Okay, good. Join couples from around Maryland on Saturday, June 1st for a marriage conference at Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Ellicott City. Keynote speakers, Damon and Melanie Owens. What I love about the Given program is that it's a real gift for couples at any stage in their relationship. And it's just a beautiful time to get away from the busyness in the world. Adoration, confession, and live music by Mike and Madeline Tenney. For registration information, visit www.archbold.org backslash marriage.